All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Too Many Hobbies podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ellithorpe. Today, I have my buddy Matt Huckabee on. We're going to be talking about his guide service and him traveling around basically the United States at this point, hunting and doing all sorts of fishing. And it's been pretty cool to follow along with. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah. So, I know that you're not originally from this area so what's first of all got you started in waterfowl hunting but what brought you to lake erie so i grew up in dayton ohio and if you've ever been to dayton it's like the worst place in the world to be an outdoors guy okay (laughs) it is literally just like concrete buildings everywhere and like nowhere to do anything so that's where i grew up um dad hunted a bunch of the reservoirs around there so when i was like four or five like my earliest memories were going out there and like i thought it was so cool when he brought the boat home i'd go out there and play with the one or two ducks he shot that day i thought it was just the coolest thing ever (laughs) um and then when i i got into third grade dad bought a lake house up here uh in the port clinton area because he liked walleye fish um so then i started spending the summers up here um fishing all the time i i didn't get to hunt up here until i was about 10 or so and once we only went out a handful of times a year because it usually the park winterized it by the time hunting season came around so it was kind of hit and miss with that and then when i got out of school like especially like college i started getting more free time and it was just like game on like i was staying at the lake house i didn't care and i was trying to hunt like as much as i could so then that led to me taking a bunch of online classes so i could just like hunt every morning <laughs> and yeah from there that's we the went. dream right there yep skipping class so. and trying to do online class so that you can hunt as much as possible yeah it's crazy Dude, the, yeah. the best was when they give a syllabus and it was like two tasks make up 90 percent of your grade and then a paper i'm like oh i'll be here twice bye <laughs> <laughs> i know the three days i gotta show up and i'm gonna yep. hunt the rest of them <laughs> yep that's awesome so then when did you start like actually like getting on the big water and like really trying to figure it out so we started coming up like i said about i'd say around 10 or so we started like putting my feet in the water around here and got it the nice thing with dad's place uh he actually still has it right across the dike from his his place is a waterfowl refuge oh okay. so um, it was really nice. Dad could launch the boat Friday night, tie it up to his dock, and then we could just go right around the corner and hunt the refuge. Right. And I just remember, like, it was just like so many birds. It was deafening. You could hear them back there from like the trailer. I get so <laughs> excited to go. And like, so I, I started doing a little bit around 10 to 12 years old. And then the older I got, it just like, I, I kept working on my dad. Finally, he left the trailer open, didn't winterize until after duck season. So every weekend we were going and going and going. I was just like learning and learning. But that was like the only place I ever hunted up here, like until I got my driver's license. Right. So once I got my driver's license, I just kind of started going around scouting. But it was so hard because I was only here for a day and a half a week to really figure out where I was going or what I was doing or anything. So um i really didn't start learning until i started moving up here and going to college and then i had so much free time i could really start scouting i could hunt new places so that's kind of how i got into that what size boat was he using side note so he had a 20 foot mod v crest liner john boat oh okay um which was great his big wide boat stable and then he could literally go right around the corners and hunt and i'm talking like we were so close. It was like we'd come out the canal, and you wouldn't even put the boat up on playing, and you're pulling into the rocks to hunt. Like, that's how close he was. <laughs> so it was like per- like a, a tank of fuel lasts us all season. It was great. Yeah, this is fantastic. And, yeah. Yep. But I'll tell you what, having that refuge across the canal from me was probably the best thing growing up because I learned how to call birds from that refuge. Like, I would go yeah. out there in the evenings and sit there and listen to them. I remember as a kid, I'd like listen to him, listen to these hens yelling around at, at other drakes. And I would call on my call and the whole refuge goes silent. I just sit there. I'm like, oh, no. And they start <laughs> talking again. 
I screwed up. I just kept doing it, dude. And about the end of like the second year when I started messing with them, all of a sudden, I, I remember it to this day. I hit my call, like a little greeting call, and I hadn't answered back instantly. And the whole march didn't go quiet. I'm like, I did it. I felt like <laughs> king. Like, I was like, oh my God, I did it. I did the right cadence. Like, I did it. I cracked the code. And, dude, from there, oh my God, started doing balancing hands, started getting good with those. I just learned from that because back then there, there were no trees. So you could see right into the refuge. Got it. Okay. Place. So you'd see all these birds just tornadoing down. And, dude, you learn so much by watching them. And how they talk, birds on the water talk to the ones in the air. You learn so much. I learned more from doing that than I have hunting. Like, that really, like, leaps and bounds got me ahead just and watching I, them. Well, that too is like, it gives you a good base. Like, if you don't learn the basics yes. when you first start out, you, you're going to either go backwards before you go forwards, or you're just never going to go forwards. Yes. And I think there's a lot of people that could learn from that, too. Like, you can go to a park and listen to birds talk to each other. They might not do, you know, they might not circle and do all that, depending on the park you go to, obviously. Sure. But it's the same concept. Yes. And you'll watch, like, what the birds on the water do when, when different groups of birds are coming in. And you'll watch how alert they get and how they start talking to each other and like you'll hear them like when Mallory's like swimming around, they're just constantly chattering da, 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 right. like the yep. whole time. And then you'll see when they see ones coming, all of a sudden heads go up, just start just screaming at each other. Like, no, no, this is my area. Go over there. <laughs> and I learned so much from them, dude. It, it, it was great growing up over there. I can tell you that. So, yeah. And that's, I mean, the refuge is primarily, uh, puddle ducks stuff like that did yes. you see a lot of divers in there ringnecks i saw a lot ringnecks. of yeah yeah that makes i sense. see ringnecks buzzing around a few redheads um a lot of geese and a lot of like mallards and gabwalls and then i all i was obsessed with pintails and you'd see pintails in there but they would not come out on the lake and it was like <laughs> just come out just come out for the love of god they know so, something we don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pentails are like, ooh, deep water, not going out there. And they, they come. And it was like an imaginary line, man. You sit there. I get so frustrated because you see them coming out towards you. All of a sudden, they hit that dike and just you turn right back. And it's like they just bank how? it. How? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're like, I've learned so much, but this is the one thing I can't get past. Yep. <laughs> yep. So then just when... like teasing me. Yep. Oh yeah, of course. So your dad had the boat. When did you end up buying your own boat? So dad gave me that boat when I started driving because he was kind of getting out of hunting. Um, he was Got it. Okay. Older. Um, so he just kind of let me just take over and just start doing my thing. Um, like I said, I worked through college hunting like as much as I could. And I got out of school. And finally landed my first decent job was at, was at Verizon. And this was like 2016. And I had ran that flat bottom and things. I should have never ran a boat. And okay, let alone a flat bottom. <laughs> and this thing was just like breaking at the seams. Because, dude, we would run those out to the island, lay out shit, yep. and we could just go. And it didn't matter. We were young. I didn't care if the boat broke. And we just went for it. Right. right? And that boat has seen a lot better days. So... I remember talking to Dag, and he's like, well, like, let's see where we go on trading. So I ended up, we ended up trading it in, and I got, I guess, my first duck boat. It was a long Alaskan, 20 okay. foot. And I was so cheap at the time, like, I couldn't afford a motor, so I pulled the motor off the trade-in, and then mounted a tiller handle on it. I'm like, well, it'll work, and <laughs> that's what we did. What size motor was that? 115 Yamaha. Yep. Pulled yeah. it off, slapped the teller handle on it. Guys are like, dude, you, you're not going to be able to control that teller. I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. And <laughs> away we went. Yeah, and sit so, back and watch this. Yeah. So I didn't take into account, they, the guy did not tell me when I bought that boat that he should have gave me a wetsuit and a snorkel when he sold it to me. Because in December, that is like the wettest boat I have ever drove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the sides on the Alaskans aren't super high. Yes. 
and being it was a teller sitting in that back corner. Oh yeah. my god! It was like you get all the spray buckets of water on me. I was like, okay, this <laughs> this is horrible. That's a boat that's designed for like a side console up two thirds of the bow, and you're sitting yep. all the way at the back of it, just getting drenched. Exactly. Yep. And you you learn real quick when you get a boat that's not designed for what it's supposed to be. What you want out of a boat. Yes. Yeah. Very quickly. I was actually stunned. I ran into some issues because you know how they had those gun boxes that go along the side. Yep. It lasted two days before I had a 24 inch split on both of them from that boat flexing in the waves out oh. there. Oh. Because I put all the decoy slot bag foamers on the nose and I had two layouts on top and nothing in the back but people. So when I yeah. was running, it was plowing and just flexing and just chewing it up. Yeah, That's nuts. I had a hard life for <laughs> one year. <laughs> so you had that yep. for a year and you didn't do any guiding on that boat? No. So I started, so I got that boat in 2016. Uh, so it had been fall of 2016. And I traded that boat in, had to be around January of 17. Yeah, January is no January of eighteen. Um, so back up for a second. So I'll kind of tell you like why I decided to start guiding because I've been yeah. asked this a bunch. So yeah, <laughs> I was at Verizon and um, it was like I remember this. So I was in sales at Verizon. And I I was pretty good at sales, right? Well, I had been there for two years at the time, and there was this woman that worked there, and she handled all the back end stuff. So making sure the phones were scanned in and stocked, like everything was stocked, supporting the sales guys, right? Well, she had been there for 20 years, and I remember the district manager came in and brought a cake in, which was weird. And he sets the cake down, calls her into the office. She's in there about 10 minutes, and she comes out bawling her eyes out. And he had told her that they're eliminating her position. She has six weeks to find a position within Verizon, but she had no merits and had to basically start from scratch again. Not transfer, but come in as a new hire to a new right. position. And that devastated her. That's all she had. <clears throat> so, and then he came out and he literally goes, well, you guys hit your sales numbers. Let's have cake and celebrate. As this woman's just bawling her eyes out that she just lost her job, right? Everything she yeah, worked for. super weird. And dude, that day I remember taking lunch and I remember calling my dad and I'm like, dad, I've never felt so helpless in my life that somebody could just flip a switch and I'm out of a job. So Meg and I started planning and stuff. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she's like, well, you have all this stuff, you know, the lake better than anybody. Why don't you just start guiding? So that's kind of where it came from. Right. Yeah. So I made plans, get my captain's license that fall. So that was fall of 17, get my license. <clears throat> and I realized with my lawn, I wasn't going to make any money if I could only run two people. Right. right. There's like no money. So I was like, I need a bigger boat. So <clears throat> at the time, there was only two options. There was duck water, which is aluminum, or banks, which is fiberglass. I'm right. Like, well, if I'm hunting rocks or ice, I'm going to break that banks like tomorrow. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I can't afford a new duck water, so I got to find a decent duck water to use. And nobody had, like, a bigger one. I mean, people had 18 footer, but nobody had big ones. Right. So I ended up picking up the phone and calling different outfitters and came across one that was actually getting ready to sell his. So he's like, well, you can pick it up in January after my season's done. So I was like, great. And I didn't even think about it being a saltwater boat. Well, I drive all the way out there and pick it up January. Keep in mind, I'm broke at this point, right? Like, I just bought my <laughs> license. I'm trying to get started. Yeah. And take the boat home and figure out that the whole boat needs rewired and the motor has corrosion issues. So I'm of like, course, oh, yeah. my God. So dig all that in the off season, and I couldn't afford to pay anybody. So me and my buddies are out there with a case of beer when beer still got people to do things. <laughs> and we, we rewired this boat because I am no electrician. And we got it going, and uh, I formed the business in June of 18, and then started running a couple fishing trips, but it was pretty slow, and then came into, towards hunting season, I started running ads in, like, August and stuff, 
Dude, I was freaking out because I got to a week out from opener of second split. I still like sold zero. And I bought insurance. I bought new layouts. I just bought this yeah. vault. I had just blown my whole reserve. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> and then the phone rang. And I remember the guy, his name was Greg from Columbus. And he came out. And of course, he takes opening day, which is fine. And he, he booked it like four days before opener. Okay. Of course, my luck, that lake blew Gale out of the West. Yeah. Opener. I'm like, oh my God. But I was so hard up for money. I'm like, oh, I'm not canceling. I got duck water. Like, we're going. Oh, yeah. Dude, I came out that cut. And I remember the first wave hitting me, rolling right up over the side and just swamping everybody in the boat. I'm like, wow, that was a big one. <laughs> so I goosed it and got across to where there was some calmer water and set up. And it was probably one of the, like, we shot a lot of birds. But, dude, I worked so hard trying to anchor that boat. And oh, yeah. Because those sides are so tall. Yeah, it oh, just blows it like God. a sail. Yeah. Yep. But that's how I started. That that was it. And then he actually came home. So he hunted two days with us. He did a boat blind and a layout hunt. And we, we did really well. We shot him. Dude, that guy helped me a lot. Because him and his buddies posted on all like the, the um, forums and everything on Facebook yeah. and outside of Facebook. Dude, my phone blew up that whole next week. And within two weeks, I sold 50 days. I, I, I was full for the whole season. That just from insane. him posting everywhere. Because like I didn't know this, the guy had GoPro on and started yeah. posting like GoPro things and like big like we shot redheads and gold eyes and stuff. And he, dude, that guy like made it for me the first year. So that's so that's crazy. How we got going. Because I yep. think I met you in 2019. Was it? I thought yeah. you were 18. It could have been 18. It's been a while now. Yeah. 18 or 19, but either way, I had my GoPro on, and I that's yeah. probably one of the most, like, viewed videos on my channel. Yes. Do I still get phone calls from that. They're like, hey, we saw you on YouTube. Yeah. And, like, I saw, like, dude, that looks so cool. Like, do we get to hunt over the dog and everything? I, instantly, I was like, <laughs> that's, that's Brian's video. Like, he hooked me up. Well, because I put your card at the end of it, too. Yeah. So you're on Facebook, and it had all your info there. And yep. I'm, at the time, I didn't expect that video to do, like, anything at all. And within, like, a week, it had 3,000 views or something. I'm like, what is going on? It's only a four-minute video. It's probably, like, one of the lower, I wouldn't say, like, lower quality, but, like, lower effort videos that I've made because I made that on my phone. And right. so, like, before I started, like, actually using different cameras and stuff, like, now the videos are way better, but... That sure. one just has what people are looking for that are trying to come up to Lake Erie. It's like, you want to come up yes. to Lake Erie in the middle of November or late November, this is what you get. Like yes. When you go out there, when you're 10 miles into the lake, like, it's pretty insane. And I don't yes. think a lot of people really understand the type of lake that Lake Erie is when it comes yes. to divers. But it's not like a huge mallard population. Like nobody comes here like they do for Arkansas, but if you want to yep. shoot bluebills, puffies, golden eyes, redheads, this is a good spot yep. to come. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, and I tell them when they call and I, we get a lot of business from down South, like Southern Ohio, Virginia's yeah. and stuff. Okay. And when they call, I can instantly tell that they're not from around here. Cause I'll be like, Oh, what, like they're like well how rough is it going to be i'm like oh it'll be you know two to four footers when we go out there and we'll hunt somewhere calm and they're like how big they like stop <laughs> instantly and i'm like they're like it's a lake i'm like i understand it's a lake but it's like it's like an ocean it's like a freshwater ocean right nobody I'm just, what are you doing <laughs> nobody like understands that dude and i'm like you don't understand me i'm like they're like so you'll cancel a hunt for wind i'm like Mm -hmm. oh yeah yep like you're not getting off the trailer some days like yeah like that's mm. crazy how quickly it can turn there's days that you can go out there and it can be one footers and like if you're out there for four hours and it turns you're coming back in five five six footers like it's it's not for the faint of heart and also you have to do your research yes 
I, I will say, like, once we stepped up and got that bigger boat, so much easier. I mean, wind still affects it, yeah. but not to the degree from when yeah. I first started with John boats and stuff. It's just nuts. Yeah, well, I and, mean, like, the difference in, like, because mine's a 20-foot, yours is a 25. Like, you can go out in three, four-footers, and just that extra bit of boat will help calm the boat hitting waves. Yes. You can crest the waves better than, like, I can and it's yeah. just the way it is. Yep. I, That's I why the like charters are using 30-foot boats. Yep. Yeah. And when we launch in the morning, and I feel that big gust of wind hit me when I open the truck door, I look next to me, and there's a guy launching a mud boat. I'm like, you're out of your mind, bro. You have no idea yeah. the rodeo you're going to find. You're coming back the here in the half hour. Yep. <laughs> so. uh, it's, it's pretty crazy how... I, it's cool how much business you get and how many people want to come here and just target divers. Like how, how would you say that your split is from like boat blind hunts to layout hunts? So I always offered layout hunts. So this is my fifth year. And when I first started out, because I really enjoy layout hunting. It's my favorite way of gun divers. Same. So I did. Yep probably 50% my first season was layout hunts. And then I brought on my first captain. I'll explain that a little bit, why I did that. And they weren't fond of layouts. It was a lot of work for them. They didn't like it, so I never pushed it. Well, the, the new captain we have thoroughly enjoys it because he doesn't have to fight for spots. Like For whatever reason, the last couple of years, the crowds have gotten unbelievable around here, um, yeah. even during the week, you know, and it just seems like every year there's more and more guide services coming out of the woodwork. Right. And a lot of them aren't even legal when you go and look into it, but it's just kind of comical. So it's putting a lot more strain on the bergs. And that's why we really started keying off on, on layouts again. I bet we're running 60 to 70% now layout boats just because okay. The stress is not there. The only thing with layouts that we run into an issue I have to feel the customers out for is to make sure they're physically able to do it. Because we we get, most of my clientele, I would say 60% of them are 50 plus years old. Right. So older guys stepping out, especially at Duckwater, that's a huge sided boat to step out of that down into a layout boat. Especially when they're both moving, you know, yeah. That that's you, you kind of got to feel out the guys on the phone. So we've been trying to screen them a little bit more because the first few we did, I didn't even ask them. I was like, oh, layout trip. Great. You know, I didn't think about it. I'm a young guy, right? We just right. jump in it. And, dude, the first time we had an issue, there was a guy from down south. Like, I think he was from Kentucky. And we drive, I think it was... 12 miles at this point. We, we get out to where there's a huge raft of birds off the reef complex we were going to hunt. And I have those layout addictions ones. And we threw the yep. two one-mans in. I guess like two-foot shot, which isn't bad for a layout. That's actually what you want. No, it's pretty and good. And I put the, the spray shields up. And I pull out. I was like, all right, get in. And the guy looks at me, like climbs up on the back deck to, to step down. He goes, you want me to get in that? I go, yeah. It's pretty stable. Let's jump in three like a kayak. And he's like, in the middle of this lake i was like yeah that's what you booked and he's like i'm not getting out of this boat and walks back into the duck water i'm like what what do you what do you mean like we came all the way out here because you wanted to lay on so we ended up pulling them and then just putting the boat lined up like pit boss does like anchoring out there in the middle of the lake i mean we shot a few but that's when i really started screening people i'm like i'm right. not doing this again like guy saw it there i'm like this guy just watched me set 10 dozen decoys like what did he expect as he's pitching decoy after decoy over with me like yeah oh well and that's 10 dozen singles that's not long lines yeah we, we do a mixture so like layout spreads i like making like a v with them I'll with run, the like, long lines, lines okay yeah and then because i have two singles i have a wide hole and then i throw all singles out in front Right. And dude, I put like a, a floating mojo or two out there and like the whole hole will just be like buff lads and golden eyes. Yeah. And I'll put like two pods of golden eyes on the outside of the line. Dude, they love those buff like a buffy will cross every decoy to land next to one buffle head that's that's it's insane. Like and oh so that's kinda how we run our spreads, but 
Yeah, that guy literally was helping us set, and there was like three of them, and literally lets me get completely dark, and then goes, "No, I'm not getting in the layout." But I'm like, "What?" Like what? We've been doing this for two hours. What do you mean? You don't want to get in. <laughs> now we gotta completely switch the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, that's that's crazy to think, and I, I mean, it makes sense that there's older people that want the guide because, like you said, they're either stepping out of it or they've just gotten to the point in their life where they're like, I hunt three to four times a year. I don't want to pay for boat storage maintenance. Yep fuel i got these old decoys i'm gonna need new ones blah 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 when they can spend a thousand bucks go on a few trips and they don't have to touch anything yep well that's the thing so like a lot of them like bringing their grandkids out it's a way for them to connect yep and you know i know i mean i don't know about you but i get done hunting at the end of the day that cold takes out of me i'm tired right especially once i get home and put everything up yeah and for them they get done they're tired just like me, but they don't have four more hours worth of work to do. Right. Like everything yeah. up and get ready. So it's way easier for them. Yeah. They know, step off the boat and they just go get breakfast and then they're done. Yep. And they're like, oh, thanks. See you next time. I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, time to get ready for tomorrow. Yep. I got to <laughs> hit the road and find the next one, you know? Yeah. So. And you mentioned that you now have captains. When did the like business side of it start to independently run itself to where you could kind of take a step back? So that's kind of like a twofold question. So 2018, I started guiding and that fall of 18. So this is one of the hardest points in my life. So fall of 2018, I told you, I didn't book my first duck hunt until, um, till like a couple of days before the second split opener. Right. At the same time, I'm, I was still working full time at Verizon as a sales rep. Okay. okay. So yep. I had yep. limited days and I switched my schedule to where I would come in at one and I'd be there till nine thirty at night closing. And then I have to go guide the next morning. Right. Well, in the midst of all that in October, my dad started having real bad health issues. Okay. Um, and he owned a label company where he made like customized labels for machinery within plants like that they right. would sell. Right. And he got to the point with his medical side that he couldn't still do it with all of his doctor's appointments and they were putting him all kinds of medication. He, he was just having a really bad time. Yeah. So I talked to him and I ended up, uh, him and I ended up striking a deal where I would buy it out over X number of years so that he could still have some income. Right. Right. And so keep in mind, so I bought that October of 18, right before duck season. I didn't know anything about labels. Okay. I thought you just peeled and stick. Okay. There, there's so much more to labels. So there I am 2018 full time at Verizon. All of a sudden now I've got all his customers. Enough. Jesus Christ. I got his customers calling me at work. I'm trying to figure out what they're even talking about because I just see the barcodes, right. That they're referencing. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing? And then all of a sudden, people start calling for docs. So I was like maxed out. So like my normal day in 2018 was I would go to work around one. I would get home at nine. I would be up till 1230, one o'clock in the morning processing all the orders that came in while I was at work. Yeah. And then I go to sleep and I, I can't park the boat at my house. So I end up having the boat in storage. So I get up at three to be able to grab the boat by 330, 345 to meet the clients. Yeah. And I do the whole thing again. So I was only sleeping like three hours a day and it was killing me. Okay. Of course. Yeah. So fast forward to January, I get through it. And I, I told Meg, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like that about killed me. Like, that's why I got these willow peaks. Like my hair was falling out. I wasn't eating good. And I mean, she was great through the whole thing. Cause like I would come home and she was trying to take phone calls and schedule for like the guide service. Right. I come home at nine o'clock and she have dinner there for me. So I eat something real quick and then right into the office to go process the label orders. But it was just a lot. Right. Yeah. And then it got to the point that so that would be 2019 spring. I was like, I got to figure out something because the label business took off and now I got the charter taken off. I still got Verizon. I'm like, I'm only one guy. Right. So I started looking around and I was like, okay, I got to be at Verizon until August when I'm vested. 
so that I, I, I could leave and not lose all, all my retirement they gave me. And I'm like, okay, so I can make it till then, but that still doesn't fix the issue of me guiding because the issue I was running into with guiding was I didn't have cell service where I was going. Right. So if I'm guiding during the week, my label customer can get a hold of me. And you don't just go to a voicemail when a big client calls you. That's just not a right. thing you do, right? Yeah. So I was like, what do I do? So I started talking around. I found the guy to start running. He ran with us for two years. We had some severe growing pains because people like hunting with me and the way I did things, you know, probably 30% didn't want to make the switch over to, to let the next guy run, which is understandable. Yeah. Me and him parted ways. And then I brought the, the guy that's running now, Eli, on absolutely fabulous he he runs the boat slower just like i do because i mean keep in mind we have older clientele that right want to go across yeah. the lake at 50 miles an hour you know yeah and it's once i got the people side figured out like where they were reliable they were showing up on time showed them how to scout showed them how to do things the way i wanted it ran and then we still periodically spot check and call the customers make sure they're happy yeah everything went way smoother that took me three years before i got it dialed in to where i could not be on the boat but it still ran the way i wanted it right that was the hardest thing i that, that was a nightmare doing that people are the hardest thing to control uh, yeah. because it's just not you doing it. it's easier if i do it but you know you're not going to get anywhere if you're doing everything you're not going to grow so right once i got that done i got the people in place by then, by by year three, when Eli started doing it, I had the customers kind of navigated over to where this is the way we do things. I got like accustomed to it, um, and that freaked me up so much more. So, and then I started another company this year, like a real idiot. But so now I'm doing the same thing again. But <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I did it. So I I just slowly moved them over and spot checked to make sure they were doing it because. And guiding, like, if you're not having repeats, you're sunk. Like, you got to be running 50, 60 percentile repeats because you right. have so many days to fill. It's the, all of a sudden you go in the next year. Well, I only got to sell 20 because I got to find 20 new clients. Right. So much easier than finding 60, you know. Right. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a repeat business, definitely. And, you know, as you're growing, you're going to also be reaching new customers. And it just gives you like this, it gives you a big customer base that you can pull from when you need it. But you also don't want a lot of turnover because then that means you're doing something wrong. Correct. And then, you know, if you have the turnover, they're going to go to one of the other guys. Right. And you're probably never going to see them again, you know. Yeah. So kind of what set us different was we, we offer a couple different packages. So we offer boat blinds and layouts. We, we run brand new spreads every single year. And we, after the, actually the first year, I guess is even considered that we were full-time guides, which means we were on the lake every single day of season right. and we were scouting every single day. So our success compared to the, the average Joe Blow around here just kept going because we were out there so much more. We were walking right. birds every single day. And that speaks for itself. Like, when you start having customers get off the boat and before they leave the parking lot, they already wrote you a check for a deposit. That's yeah. You're doing something right where they yeah. have that much fun, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how we did it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it shows because you guys now have the ability to kind of separate yourselves and travel. Yes. And I think that that's the coolest thing is being able to like build something that is stable enough that you can leave and you can you can still work if you need to from the road but you get to experience all these things that like the normal people don't get to see and like obviously there's a lot of work that goes on in the background to get to that point but like you've been to the dakotas you've been to idaho you've been to louisiana to do bow fishing like michigan for old squaws like Talk about some of those experiences that you've had. Oh, dude. So this really just came in the last couple of years where I've actually been able to get time off to go 
because I got everything set up the way I wanted and I really only need cellular service now. So I still get phone calls every day, but you got to keep in mind, we're going to a different time zone. So by right. the time I'm done hunting, it's the afternoon. That's when everybody starts calling me anyway. So it's perfect, you know? Yeah. So I, so Megan likes to hunt as well. Okay. I, I know, you know, oh, yeah. I'm sure people don't. <laughs> so that's actually how we met. We, I met her on one of the duck hunting pages being just a smart ass comment and back on one of her things. She thought I was a dick messaged me, called me out about it. And then she just never left and we were a thing. Right. So that's eight <laughs> or nine years ago. And I don't know why she would leave Idaho, but she did. She came out here and we started hunting. Right. And that's all we knew hunting and fishing. And so we had like this goal I, I had this goal forever that I wanted to be able to travel and Megan loves traveling. So I'm like, well, I don't want to just go and stare at water parks and stuff. I'm like, well, we're going to travel and shoot docks. And she was all for it. Well, I finally got to the point where I could go. And then I'm like, well, where, where do I go? Like, I mean, I have read right. all these wildlife magazines, like wildfowl. Like that's all I read as a kid. Do you and wildfowl? I read all these articles from all these guys around the country. I'm like, Dude, I want to go experience that, like the Salt Lake in Utah. Oh my God, that place is amazing. Yeah. Like all these different places. So we literally just started in the last couple of years. I go on and I read the forums on Facebook where locals were talking about all oh, great season, all this. And I look back in years history and seeing when guys were posting, they were really successful. So then I started dropping pins on August just by bigger towns in these different right. areas where everybody said they live. When I clicked on their profile, yeah. I literally made my course all throughout the United States. I had times like when I dropped these pins of windows to be there historically when they were good. That's how I started. Yeah. So it started with Michigan with long tails. I figured out because those guys are very hush hush about it. That that was a hard one to crack. <laughs> so. We figured that one out. Went up there. We had some great hunts up there. We hunted Lake Michigan and Lake St. Clair doing it. Um, I'm a lot bigger fan of Lake Michigan than I am St. Clair, but um, it's just a lot less people out there. So we did that one. Then we went to last year we decided, because I had nothing else to do, North Dakota's early geese open up in August, and you're allowed 15. I'm like, oh, sign me up. Like. <laughs> I why not yeah north dakota right so i'm like and i never really feel high so i literally threw the decoys in the truck and i made it till to minnesota until it dawned on me that i'm like wait a second it's all private like if i don't get somebody to let me on their farm like in ohio it's a nightmare i'm like i'm not gonna be able to hunt that's right. when it dawned on me it was like minnesota i got all the way there i'm like how am i gonna do this like ohio doesn't let people hunt i'm like what what am i gonna do so literally picked the town and I had a camper. So I backed the camper and I'm like, well, I'm going to figure it out. And I literally used Onyx and Google Maps and like, where's the biggest water I could find that looked like home? Drove there and just started glassing for geese. I'm like, dude, they, they got to be here. And that's what I found. I just did the same thing here, but it was kind of funny. So once I started getting on ground and stuff, there's like we're in smaller towns and everybody knows everybody. So if you're a new guy at a bar, everybody's like, Oh, what are you doing? They're like the nicest people, right? Right. All these locals are like, Oh, you don't want to go. They're like, Oh, where do you hunt? And I told them what whatever town I was hunting around. They're like, Oh, you don't want to go over there. No geese over there. You want to go over here. Well, they've been hunting for 30 years, so they wouldn't even check these places anymore because they just decided it was bad. They've had bad hunts there. Well, yeah. here I am. I have no idea. It's all new to me. So I scouted everywhere. And I'm like, no, there's definitely geese there. Like, I got a whole truck bed full. And they're like, oh, it's horrible hunting over there. And then once they figured out, like, we knew what we were doing, dude, these people are the nicest people. So I would be, we go to like the Peaks Rear or somewhere. The amount of landowners I met at laundry mats, unbelievable. So I'm in there washing my hunting clothes and they strike up a conversation. Oh, what are you doing with all that camo? Oh, we're shooting geese. Really? My nephew owns a farm down the road. There was about 500,000 man last night. You, you should go talk to him. Really? I said, I don't have anywhere to hunt tomorrow. Oh, I'll call him for you. Nine o'clock at night. They're like, yeah, <laughs> here you go. Go shoot him out there. And it's just not like that around here. So no, I've got a lot not. of people out there. Um, 
but yeah, so that that's how I started doing that one. And then, like I said, we just started dropping pins everywhere. So, like I said, Meg's from Idaho, so she wanted to see her family last year. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't know anything about hunting Idaho, but I'm sure there's ducks there. Right. I literally went out, stayed next to her parents, and started doing the same thing. And then I discovered um, the Snake River out there. Dude, how much different that is compared to Ohio. A big spread on the snake is like two dozen decoys. Okay. It's just night and day. And we would go weeks without seeing a soul. Like not even another boat. Right. You'd be like the only one locked in the boat besides like some fisherman. He's like, Oh, you guys are out of your mind going out there. It's cold. <laughs> well, you're going fishing. Like, well, my out of my mind. Yeah, your hands are gonna and, get wet, buddy. Yeah. So that's just kind of what we did. So every year now, we just keep dropping pens on places we've read about, and then I read up on them, and away we go. So like, so like this year, we're we're not going to Dakotas until the spring. So we're gonna go Idaho for fall, and then once we get back, like an idiot, I decide, oh, I'm gonna get into snow goose hunting. So I start researching <laughs> it. I start buying decoys because I'm obsessed with these white geese. Because I don't know why. It's something about because we don't have them here. Want. Yeah, we don't have them here. I didn't grow up yeah. chasing them. I'm like, there's no limits, and you can hunt them for eight months out of the year, nine months out of the year. I'm like, oh, right. sign me up. <laughs> it's like pigeon so hunting. I, yeah, I started doing all this research. I'm like, dude, I'm going. I'm like, I'm going to start in the Dakotas where I know landowners, and I'm just going to go for it. So we literally get back in February, and middle of March, I'm leaving, and I'm going to come back when I run out of geese, and they all flew past me. and. I that's just what we're gonna do so yeah and it's I mean it's so cool that you have that ability to be able to just work wherever and then when yep. you want to hunt you hunt yeah I but mean, you get like those experiences have, you know that you wouldn't get here yeah it's just well, that's way the different biggest thing like we I grew up hunting big water here I grew up layout hunting and to see how pe- I like the history behind things so to see how people in different parts of the country hunt it just blows my mind like we would not set a field rig in north dakota anything like we would set in ohio to kill the same geese it's just unbelievable like one of the things i learned so they cut their wheat where it's about oh four inch tall stubble right you can't hide in that like no it's not like ohio where it's you know six eight inches tall you can hide a layout so I didn't know what to do. First couple hunts were horrible. And I'm like, well, what else am I going to, like, how am I going to kill these geese? Dude, I looked around at what was around and there was sagebrush everywhere. I literally grabbed sagebrush, loaded my blind up with it, threw it in the middle of the decoys like I would, like, if I had it on wheat. I'm like, yeah. well, we're just going to try. Dude, they had no care. They were so used to sagebrush, like, patches in the middle of the fields. Dude, they land, like, five feet away. And, like, that's just, like, being out there and experimenting like just learning yeah it's a match in the hatch yes yeah and i i got like an obsessive personality so like i'm going to go until i figure it out yeah and if if it makes it challenging like snow geese or like figuring out a new area it's like "Mm, now i got (laughs) something to work on and focus yeah and away i go it's like a competition with yourself to figure it out yes I mean, it's yep. we all are a little comp- competitive as it is, and then it's like you start yep. trying to do something different in a different place, and it's like yep. it all comes right back around. You're like, yep. I need to figure this out. I mean, we do kind of the same thing when we go up to Houghton Lake in Michigan for layout hunting. Like, it's a smaller lake, and like it's trying to figure out these early birds as opposed to when they get down here. And it's like I don't travel as far as you do, but I understand the thought process behind it where it's like i don't want to leave here until i figure out why these five thousand birds aren't working in here yes yeah dude it gets addicting it's like mm. and then you're doing something like you read about as a kid you're like oh my god i read about this river or i read about that pothole region like i want to go see it so then you're there you're driving down these dirt roads and it's kind of like surreal because you're reading everything all these authors have talked about right yeah I like doing the self-guiding aspect. I mean, I, I waterfowl guide at the living. So it's kind of like, I'm going to figure this out. Like yeah. they're not better than me. Like I can do this. <laughs> and it, 
dude, there's some humbling moments that came those first couple oh, yeah. of in those wheat fields. It's like, wow, that did not work, <laughs> you know? So... But that's the fun part of it, too, is like once you figure it out and then you go home at yes. night and you're like, I did it. That was all me. Nobody helped me. I didn't have to pay anybody to help me. And it's like it's just that aspect of it that keeps you going. Exactly. Dude, I can tell you what, though, the people you meet along the road out there that like doing the same thing we do, hunting and fishing, dude, they are some of the nicest people like now I got contacts all over the country and they're calling me, dude, we're Autumn. You need to get here. Like, it's just not like that around. Everybody's so yeah. like at each other. And then once you get out and you start traveling, dude, these guys, they just want to have beer at the end of the night. They want to go shoot a few birds and have a good time. It's not, I guess the stress level's not the same as around here where there's like five places in Ohio to hunt. Right. You know? So, yeah, it's tough because, you know, we have such like a concentrated area because yeah. we because it's the lake. I mean, like the lake is kind of our like center in Ohio yes. where like if you're further you are away from the lake, generally the the less birds are there, you know, the hunting is a little worse the further you get from the lake. Yes. But when you're in a giant flyway, like the Mississippi flyway, like that is helpful because there's just more their potholes and stuff is like what they're attracted to. And there's potholes yeah. everywhere. There's rivers everywhere. There's a ton of stuff. And it's like it just makes it so much easier to pattern birds in an area like that where there are smaller potholes and like you start yes. to to pick up on those things as you're getting the experience of traveling. And like you said, it just helps with the stress because you're not shooting at the same birds every day. If we have yeah. a thousand geese here on the lake, generally 600 of them are getting shot at every day. Yes. Where you're in the Dakotas or you're on the snake river and like yep. there's 500 mallards, maybe a hundred of them get shot at over a week period. Right. Well, what's different is we, with the Great Lakes, in my opinion, we stall out the migration. So a lot of birds come down, they yes. hit the lake, and they sit, right? Because if you look on a map, the next place they're going to go is the Ohio River, and they're only going right. to go there if they if they freeze up, right? I mean, yep. besides the teal and stuff, but the, the big birds aren't going to leave. Right. Well, when you go to the Dakotas or Idaho or anywhere, you get off these Great Lakes, there's nothing to hold them. Right. So you get a front every week. Every week there's new birds coming through. So you got five to seven days to shoot these birds. Yep. And they're gone. They're, yep. they're literally gone with the wind. And you got the next batch that haven't seen you hunt in the same field. They haven't seen you. Yep. And as that's happening, let's just take the North Dakota. You got 50,000 potholes, literally. Right. And they build these dirt roads right through the middle of them, which just cracks me up. They don't go around ponds. They just go right through the middle of them. And <laughs> You're, you're sitting there, you're like, dude, how am I going to find you? There's so much water. Well, every week, 25% get froze. Then the next 25 and it just starts right. congregating these bergs to where it's like, well, they got eight choices to be at. And you, you so you don't really hunt water when you get there. I learned that from the locals. I brought floaters out there, and you would have thought I just disrespected their family and spit in their face that I stuck up in this pothole. And from Ohio, that's all we do. We, we, right. we shoot water. Yep. Well, I found out really quickly when I walked out to grab the first decoy, I went to my chest wagger pocket of mud, why they don't hunt these potholes. <laughs> and I got a nice little stern talking to from the neighbor hunter because he was like, you shoot them on water, they leave. They're going to leave the area. He goes, got it. you shoot them in a field, they're going to go in my field, and we're all going to shoot them again. Yeah, the, the center point's still there. We're just chasing them in a circle. Yeah, I was like, ah. He's like, so you guys come in here and get shooting them on water. Yeah, you get one good shoot, but you just mess us all up. And I was like, right, got it. And then once I sank up to my chest pocket and mud, I was like, yep, never doing this again. So just field decoys went in the trailer. So yeah. Now I know that, like, you guys, you said that you've hunted the Dakotas and Idaho. Is there any other states that you're going to try and target this year? So, we're kicking around right now. We're just going to Idaho for, for, for duck season only. We might 
touch Montana. Montana holds a lot of birds. Um, if if Idaho's a little stale, see, because they they come down from the north, obviously. So right. Montana holds them. Montana is great. Problem with Montana is if you're there at the wrong time, it's like negative eighty. Even though yeah. the rivers are open, it's ice cold, and you can't live in a camper in that, right? Yeah. So you kind of have to play your cards. But if it's like eighty degrees, like in Idaho, and they're all sitting there. Mm, your boy's going to figure out a way to go shoot a couple of them. <laughs> um, and then, like, we're going to do the Dakotas. We're still in talks. If we want to try going farther south for snows, being my first season, I'm just leery because there's so much pressure down there. Right. Just how hard it's going to be. And I don't feel like paying for ground to get autumn. If, I mean, yeah. it's really just me and Meg. So I'm not yeah. going to go and outbid an outfitter that's running 20 guys, you know. Right. So that's where that'd be like Kansas and Arkansas. You're talking, yeah, uh, Missouri and Arkansas, uh, primarily. Um, see, they they hold there better, and then they call the Dakotas flyover states, unless there's like a big snowstorm because they don't hold in the Dakotas. So you got a very short window to shoot them, but that's at the same time, you don't necessarily have to chase feeds as much because they're here for so short windows. Yeah. You can almost set like bigger spreads and just hunt them day after day after day because new birds are coming every right. single day. So it's kind of one of those things. If you only have one or two people, is it worth picking up everything and moving every day? Right. Or is it better to go up there, just set and hunt, take it easy and, you know. Yeah, yeah. So if I had a group of guys, oh, we'd be starting Arkansas in the whole way. Like we're going, but right. yeah, finding people that have the time off like I do is hard. So. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a, a, a difficult thing to find people that have that same schedule that you have to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to hunt every single day. Right. I, I would rather die than not hunt every single day. So <laughs> <laughs> that's just how I built my life. So that's the that's the drive. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So where are like, I, I tied Long Island, Michigan, Ohio, obviously. I've hunted North Dakota, Missouri, and Utah and Idaho. Those are my four. and Or th- those are where I've been. But I'm trying to get to Kansas, South Dakota. But South Dakota is weird because you have to draw it. Like, you yep. can't just walk to South Dakota and go hunting unless it's spring right. season. So, I put in for that one in the last two years. And, of course, I'm not very successful. It's like me putting in for the draws around here. <laughs> um, yeah. And I want to get down to Texas. I'm hoping to do Texas next year because I want to do teal and dove okay. uh, in September down there because through the amount of doves they have down there. Is, mm, I've That's never insane. shot white wing either. So. Yeah, that'd be but, super cool. Yeah. Would so, you try and do sandhills cool. down there too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you can shoot sandhills in the Dakotas, but you have to buy a permit for them. Right. Yep. And – those little things are weird. So we saw them out there when we were hunting. They don't like being around decoy spreads. It's not like you go and throw three like decoys to the side and then shoot your sandhills right. or whatever. It's like yeah. you're going to shoot sandhills or you're going to shoot geese. There is no like right. – I mean, you might get a flyby or whatever. That was the weirdest concept because you'll see them in fields together, but they ain't going to – like the geese come in after the sandhills are there. They don't like mixing. Got it. Like it was that like, makes sense. Mm, yeah. And those birds, they're so weird looking too. I <clears throat> I want to drop one. That not swan. I, I want to get a swan. So Utah draw swans. North Dakota draw swans. I, I think I North get Carolina one. does as well. Yes. Yeah. So those are on my list for the next couple of years to get. Once again, it's all draws, and that's the kicker is you got to yeah. draw one of these. So It's like a Colorado uh, elk hunt or something. Like, yes. you got to put in and get your points and get your time. And, yeah, yeah, I can see how that would so. it, it'd be a little disheartening after, you know, doing five draws in a row for five years yes. and being like, oh, well, why would I try and keep doing this if I haven't gotten it yet? Yeah, and they're not cheap either. So, like, South Dakota, I mean, you're paying just to put in for – because they only let a non-resident have, uh, I think, it's seven days at one time there. Okay. So, like, for you to put in, you have to pay to go into the draw. I want to think – I want to say it's around 150 bucks. And then if you actually draw, 
you then have to pay an additional amount to buy your licenses and everything else. Right. Yep. Which are not cheap. And then I'm just like, man, they're getting you every which way you come to come up yeah. here. Um, so, I mean, it's good for the locals and everything because then you don't get swarmed by 10,000 people. Yeah. So I get it. But as an outsider, it's like, Damn, man, I spent 300 bucks. I haven't got to shoot anything yet. <laughs> and if, if you don't in a week, then it's like, well, that was your chance. Yep. And, and you, I know if I drew it, they could sign a week and it'd be 80 degrees and sunshine every day. I'd be like, wow, <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, one of these days you'll get it. Oh, I'll, I'll get there. We're, it's still young, man. Like, we, like I said, we just started traveling. Uh, so I started. We, we did our first Idaho trip in January of 2020, right through COVID. That was fun because yeah, uh, getting lodging, that was a nightmare. And then oh, yeah, last year we went full full year gone. And then this year we're lucky enough to be able to do it again. But like I said, that like each year we're just dropping pens and we're just bouncing around till we figure out these are the areas we really like, you know. So right. It's nice. So, like, I'm hope like, so next year we're going to Texas and Kansas. I know that during season. Um, that's really going to mess up my early geese. I'm kind of frustrated about that, but <laughs> seasons overlap and you got to do certain things. So, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I'm just fortunate that we're able to keep taking time off like that and luckily making enjoys the same things I do. So, I don't get roped right. in going to Disney's land or something. That's right. Waste, yeah. She would, she know? would much rather run one of your five dogs every day and, yeah. and then, uh, and hunt every day. Like it's all the stars have aligned for you. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yep. So, took a lot of hard work to get here, but it's been worth it. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, to end off the podcast, I always ask the guest this one question. And Uh-oh. if, if you could pick up another hobby, something you've always wanted to get into, what would it be? Am I doing it right now or brand new? Brand new. Huh. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, brand new hobby to get into. Hmm. Dude, I'd probably take up like falconry. Oh, that's a good one. Like taking falcons out, like walking yeah. around, like training them and stuff. Like I think that'd be so cool. I've seen a lot like, of videos on people that like train them, or like people that because I think in certain places you can literally just go out and if you capture a falcon, you can keep it. Yeah. So like, dude, I, dude that would be insane. Seasons for them, that would be so cool out there. That would be that. wild. Yep. <laughs> that's I have a really good one. Falcon, but. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've watched the videos on like people that are because there's like a few guys and I think I've heard I heard one of them on a podcast talking about like how he got them to do it. And like, dude, they just go out on their own. Like they come back if you've trained them to come back. And if you haven't trained them, then they're just gone. (laughs) They're gone. You got to start over again. Yeah. (laughs) But you can just drive like in a truck and just like let them out of the window. Yeah. That would be insane. Be so cool. Wow. That's impressive. That, that, that's what you See, came up with. You need to start with. making a video about it. Like, how am I going to do this? And like, show the world how this is how I train my falcon. Oh my god! Can you imagine like being somebody shows up at your house and you're just like, oh, you want to see my falcon? And they're like, oh, it just yeah. sits on that perch there, no cage, nothing. You're like, well, yeah. no, I trained it. Yeah, Dude, I want the little leather thing, blinders on, where yeah. you're judging the whole time. I'm like, yeah, that's my falcon. <laughs> Yep. Oh man, that's right now. Don't worry about it. Yep. (laughs) That's a really good one. Wow. Yep. Well, man, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, Anything you want to plug while you're on? Um, if you want, just drop a link to my charter down below. We we offer fully guided waterfowl hunts, layout, and boat blind, and then we offer spring walleye fishing and summer perch fishing. So we we try to keep it going year round. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely, that'll be linked in the description. Hawkeye Charters for anybody that's that's listening and doesn't have access to that. You can find them on Facebook and you can get a hold of Matt and Megan on there. Yeah, definitely. All right, buddy. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. 
And uh, anybody that's that's listening or watching, be sure to either give the podcast a five star if you're listening to it. Give it a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Share it with your friends and stay tuned for more episodes. Thanks, Matt. Yep. Thanks, Mike.